Hey, what's up? Today on the Burn This World podcast, we are talking to The Annex, a label mate of mine on Fixed, a really good electronic rock artist, and they do it in a way I ain't heard anybody do it. It kind of tinges on the grunge side. At least that's what I got from it. And uh, we actually got into that right off the get-go, and uh, we're talking through the icebreaker section where I asked them some questions beforehand, and you can hear all of the answers to these questions if you head over and join the community on burnthisworld.com. And it kind of, the icebreaker questions led into the podcast. So you actually hear me ask him the last of three icebreaker questions because it just flowed too good and all of it was too good to not put into part of the podcast. And uh, yeah, such a good conversation. And again, real quick, just got to say, head over to burnthisworld.com click on join the community, come hang out with us and you get all sorts of exclusive content for the podcast and the Browning and death X destiny, my new project. And so, uh, yeah, come say what's up. Burn this slash wait, no slash just burn this <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Uh, I'm Johnny McBee. You're listening to the burn this world podcast. Um, so last icebreaker, um, if you could bring back one dead artist, who would it be? Uh, probably, oh man, Kurt Cobain or Chris Cornell, probably. Yeah. Probably Cobain. It's one of my uh, guitar idols. So definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of bridges into, uh, the start and the first question that I have here for the start of the actual podcast. So uh, you know, here we are with the annex. Hello, world. Of hello, hello, and uh, so yeah, we just did the icebreakers, but this is kind of that your answer is bridging into my first question, which I have it written here on my board. Am I stupid for classifying the annex as electronic grunge? I guess not. Um, that's it. Seems like the last couple of years, that's what it's been described as. Yeah, um, it's always been in the electronic rock world but i think as electro metal started becoming more popular yeah that kind of took over as the dominant electronic combination with like live rock elements yeah so i think my style is just a little more less precise than uh, some of the more metal leaning artists i so mean for me I guess it's, it's classified as grunge it's yeah. what I, what i where i get here the most grunge and your stuff is kind of the voice like um <laughs> I don't know. You you kind of have this like not in a bad way. I'm not saying it's a bad way. Like kind of a drony, really simple like melody like yeah. structure. You know, <clears throat> exactly. Um, yeah. And so that's where I get the grunge side from. Yeah, I mean, those were all my heroes growing up. Are those like you know songs anybody can sing, anyone can play on guitar? Yeah. You memorize the lyrics like the first time. Mm-hmm. That's what got me interested in music to begin with. So I, it makes sense that that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. Also, I'm I'm not like an expert musician or anything. I, I'm not like a specialist in anything. Yeah. So I think that's the best of my ability is making these simple melodies yeah. and lyrics. Definitely. I mean, for me, um, you know, I, I kind of classify myself in the same way. I think I'm really good at certain things, but definitely like as a musician, over, like musicianship wise, like I'm very, mm-hmm. very average, maybe even below average on someone that like specializes in, on a single instrument. But mm. as far as like patience and then where I feel mm. like I thrive is like in creative songwriting, like structures and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and so 
I really don't think anyone needs to be a virtuoso anymore. Like if, if anything, it, it could potentially hold you back. Yeah. It's um, that's kind of the same exact way I describe myself. Um, you know, I do think about like what would happen if I dedicated my entire life to singing or mm-hmm. guitar or just being a producer for other people. Like, could I have, would that have been my ticket to success or, mm-hmm. or not? But yeah, I mean, I think the modern musician, you're forced to learn and do everything, including marketing, graphics, videos, the whole thing. So it's a much different world <clears throat> being a musician in modern times than it was like in the 90s. Yeah. Where you, in the 90s, you got to specialize in one thing. You, you had a team around it. You had a label doing all this stuff. That's kind of gone. So Definitely. you really have to be everything. Uh you know, you mentioned there, would that have been the ticket to your success? Uh, you know, where Annex is sitting at, like, you know, you're at 130,000 monthly on Spotify and, you know, there's plenty of streams from other platforms as well. Do you, do you gauge where you're at right now as successful? Dude, it's such a, uh, it's such a, a, like mental struggle looking at the Spotify numbers because they fluctuate so much. Yeah. And, um, when the Russia split happened, uh, I was kind of hovering at around 250 or 230,000 on Spotify. Then the Russia split happened and I lost almost Mm. half of my listeners. Yeah. So like the mental thing every day when you're checking those numbers in the Spotify app, it just starts like killing all creativity. So in my eyes, when I, the more I look at the, at the numbers and streaming and the streams, the more I feel like a failure. So I've the last like several months I've tried not looking at anything. Right. And just, just try to write and be happy writing. Right. So yeah, that, that Russia crap is some serious, stupid stuff. Like for people that don't know, like whenever the war happened, uh, Spotify stopped shipping stuff to Russians. So no Russians can use Spotify at all. And I feel, especially in our genre, electronic, like metal and rock, like that's a big market. Like the Browning numbers went down, uh, probably, I don't know, probably 20, 30% because of that yeah. alone. <clears throat> Jeez. And so that's, that's, it took such a big hit that they stopped shipping stuff to yeah. Russia. And what a stupid concept. Like By now. the, Oh, the Russian government decided to go to war. So guess what? Russian people yeah. aren't allowed to listen to music. Like, what? <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it, and then it, Yandex, which is the Russia Russia's platform, I guess they're not paying out American labels. So yeah. there's another big battle going on with that. Right. Like how how does this stupid crap between governments <laughs> like get down to you know independent Jeez. artists? Like what are you talking about? This I makes know. no sense. <laughs> and really um, but I agree with you. Um, I actually, on my Instagram, I have it to where I can't see like likes or comments or views or <clears throat> anything. Um, oh, I need to do that. Yeah. So I, I have it to where I can't see that because I found myself like, um, you know, posting something and then I'd be scrolling through and seeing like another vocalist post something and how many likes they got yeah. versus me. And I'm like, not that <clears throat> I particularly care, but it does trigger something in you, you know? It does. No matter how hard you try not to let that happen, it does. Yeah. And so, so I, yeah. I had to hide all that stuff. And even today, we just dropped a song today. And, uh, mm. you know, I have no way of, uh, 
I, I paid such little attention to like my whole last release of the numbers and everything that dropped that I have no idea what to gauge if it's doing good or not. And so <laughs> I, I, I agree yeah, with you. It's, uh, the, the numbers game is, is something that you'll never like win because no. you could get up to a million monthly and then you'll be looking at bring me the horizon sitting at 9 million monthly and be like, dang, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and the numbers just fluctuate so much. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of just go through it every once in a while, look at my favorite artists and see some of my fate, like my heroes have like 30,000 monthly listeners now. So right. <laughs> it's uh, really a disturbing mental game to play looking into all that stuff. I think that's what I found. And I, I think it comes down to even people that aren't musicians, just, you know, if someone's posting <clears throat> pictures of themselves and, you know, not enough likes kind of triggers something. I, I just think it is important to yeah. not care so much about that. So, um, it is, yeah. but I mean, I would, I would deem where you're at, uh, being successful, especially if you consider like the grand scheme of musicians in the world, like you definitely have a pretty, a pretty solid base. Yeah. I mean, if, if it can, if I can like sustain things where they're at, I'd yeah. be happy. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is how much am I able to lift my foot off the throttle and keep this thing, this train rolling? Yeah. Do I have to keep feeding this machine every you know every month? Do I need to release a song or merch and all this stuff? Right. So it would be nice to to reset. And I think um, supply and demand, you know, yeah. it it's more than just that lives in more than just products. It, I think it it lives in our music too. Mm-hmm. So if you give too much supply to the fans, they're going to get tired of it. So yeah. there needs to be some scarcity. So. For sure. I mean, that's always kind of been my um, strategy throughout everything because I've always gone on standard like two and a half year album cycles and Mm -hmm. like the last year of every single one of them or last eight months or whatever, I pretty much disappear. Um, And so every time Mm -hmm. I release music, like literally we just released a song today. We had our last full album came out two years ago and people are like, the Browning's back. They're back. You know, (laughs) like I didn't go anywhere. I just kind of, you know, moved back a little bit like. The modern world, yeah. everyone's in your face all the time. Did when you took that break, did you did things kind of sustain, or did you feel things kind of falling back? No, I like so basically every time I do it, um, and I come, I basically don't post at all besides like some random big things, and I felt like it was better every time, you know, hmm. like, okay. yeah. It, Whereas like right now, you know, we're being super active because we have this song and like, you know, so for the past two weeks, we've been posting pretty regularly to promote this. And like, mm-hmm. I just did the, the post announcing, Hey, the song is actually out like today. And on Facebook, it got like, like 500 likes. But my first post in a few months that was announcing, Hey, we have a new song coming in two weeks, got like 3000 likes. So like, Jeez. <laughs> the first post in, that I've done in a few months, you know, after completing an activity gets 3000 likes, but me actually saying, Hey, here's the song gets like 500. Yeah. So yeah, like you definitely sit so there and whenever you're mm-hmm. spamming people, it does definitely overdo it a little bit. And yeah, um, I think that creating that suspense and that, um, you know, desire like you said sublime demand like if you're always available all the time it makes you a little bit less desirable i think absolutely yeah that's you know when we grew up we didn't have instant access to everything Mm -hmm. from our favorite artists we had to like 
you know, go to the music store and hunt for a magazine article to read yeah. about them or wait on TV for like a video to play. <laughs> right. Now it's, it's, that doesn't exist. So that does make the playing field different for us. Yeah. I mean, even, uh, I'm starting a new pro I'm sorry. I keep like talking about myself, but we're just, you know, we're just, no, all good. <laughs> uh, I'm launching a new project with my wife and we're, she, you know, she's, yeah. she's brand new in the scene. She's never done anything in music. Right. And, I was like, okay, we need to build your profile as much as possible. So this is the kind of content that you could do that could grow your profile like crazy. But then I'm like, well, what if we just like post like random kind of mysterious pictures of you rather than spamming people with you? Like, which is mm -hmm. better? You know, I think both yeah. are good, but like, I don't know. It's to determine that. Like, I feel like you have to be one or the other. You have to be kind of like mysterious mm -hmm. and untouchable, like yeah. sleep token. Or you have to be mm -hmm. like in people's face, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite artists, uh, his name is Gasofelstein. He's uh -huh. an electronic like techno producer. He, um, I mean, he would do like Coachella and all this stuff, mm -hmm. but he didn't, doesn't even, or just recently started social media. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for years when he was producing songs for like the weekend and Daft Punk, <clears throat> he, uh, he didn't have any social media. And I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just it puts it on a different level of like desirability. Like, but I see both. Like, okay, do we post fun videos of my wife like singing songs that people are like, oh, I want to go to her show and interact because she looks fun, or do I mm -hmm. want to go to the show because like I've never really seen her like in person. I've never seen her react, yeah. and you know, so it's like, it's I think you could win in both, but. And unfortunately yeah. the modern world does kind of lean more towards being super active. So you've been fixed with yeah. fixed for a while, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Since uh, 2018. Yeah. And so yeah, we're you mentioned like, you know, you're on this grind putting out stuff like nonstop. Um, like that's kind of the biggest thing that I had with fixed coming into fixed of like nonstop music releases. I've never done that. I didn't know how, I would react or how my fans would react. And so after being with fix now for five years, um, have you pretty much been on that like six week schedule for the whole time? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to have about five songs in the bullpen mm -hmm. at all times ready to roll. So um, <clears throat> I, I'm able to get ahead of that schedule so we can keep the supply going like every if we wanted every month when I first started, it was every about every month we were doing it. Yeah. And now it's kind of every month and a half to every two months yeah. or like a remix in between. But yeah. yeah, I've, I've been able to keep it up. So, and so are, are you feeling, so you are feeling a bit drained by that though? Yes, but only because I'm, well, when we first started it and I was seeing massive results, yeah. that kind of fuels you to keep doing it and you're yeah. excited. And then after the Russia split, after Instagram destroyed the algorithm, yeah, those kind of two key things just went completely south mm -hmm. and that pulled a lot of the uh, inspiration and drive away. Yeah. So now it's like I'm struggling to find the drive to keep doing it because I'm not seeing the results that we saw in the past. So yeah. that's, that's why I'm thinking maybe it's time to to wait a little bit between releases. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I'm at right now. I think that would be a yeah. good strategy, kind of pull back a little bit mm -hmm. just to um, give yourself and give the fans just a tiny little break. I think that that's yeah. good mentally um, to do stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I think so too. 
Um, so the name, the Annex, I've always thought it was a super cool name. What, what, what's Thanks. it all about? <laughs> um, so one of the first exposures I had to a synthesizer was in uh, Guitar Center. There's this guy playing this, you know, synth in the, in the 90s. And it was a Yamaha AN1X. Okay. And it was like, you know, when I saw this guy playing it, he was like, you know, just, you know, everything in Guitar Center is blasting volume and playing their, their own thing. But it was just, it was like so unworldly. And it looked like a spaceship, like it was a, this purplish gray color. Super cool. And once I saw the name, I was like, geez, man, that's, it just, that name fit that sound so perfectly. Yeah. And I always liked bands that had like, the cars the cure yeah. that kind of thing like the the browning short exactly <laughs> there you go man something about the the right so um yeah and I, I just really wanted a name that if you read it and saw the logo it kind of communicated or you can at least have an idea of what it might sound like yeah definitely so that was that was it i mean yeah. that's what i loved about the name um and it's funny that 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 came from a synthesizer um yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's actually the, my biggest pet peeve with my name is reading the name The Browning. You have no freaking clue what's going on. And so, like, I've always been really jealous of bands with really good names that fit this genre so well Like <laughs> that I've just been, um, you know, it's kind of one of my plans with the new project is for it to be properly branded from the beginning. Um, mm. But there's something about X's that just scream electronics, isn't it? <laughs> Some about it for sure, yeah. yeah. High tech X. Right. I was always jealous of that band <laughs> Exotype. That I thought Exotype was such oh, a yeah. good name, dude. Um, Definitely, yeah. That was awesome. That might be one of the most, one of the mm -hmm. best stories I've heard of how someone came up with their band name. Why didn't you do the one though? Hmm. Why didn't you like you could you know gamer elite talk? Yeah, I, I think I was um, back then. That wasn't really a thing. Uh -huh. And I was afraid of like, if I copy the name, am I going to get sued by Yamaha? Oh, right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was it. And, and then there was like the actual name annex, mm -hmm. which is a N N E X, like the actual meaning of that. Yeah. I think it means like an addition to a structure, like a building has an annex built onto it. Yeah. Definitely. So that was kind of like a play on the word. If I'm like adding to this genre and that's, you know, Kind yeah, of making sense of the real word. Definitely, yeah. I know. I thought it. I've I've always thought that your name was awesome and super fitting. Um, and the so with that. So how old were you when you first got into like synths and electronics and stuff like that? It was around. Started guitar at eleven, and then there was always a drum machine in my house. Yeah, my dad had and a like this old Casio keyboard. So the first time like combining those, like making a drum beat on a drum machine, playing my own song over, it was probably like 13, but okay. still that's, there's no dream of producing music or anything at that point. It's just strictly for fun. Yeah. So I had kind of a clock to play to. Definitely. And then, uh, yeah, just later on, once I, you know, got really into like Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode and The Cure, yeah. started noticing that they're combining the two worlds of uh, like analog instruments but also these synthetic sounds and that yeah. was that really just yeah that was it for me yeah i mean there's endless possibilities with synths you know and that's that's what i love about it um and why i just any music i listen to is synth based even the you know more metal bands you know which all of them tend to be european um you know like rammstein's my favorite mm -hmm. love electric all boy love yeah. we butter the butter with butter like i'm into all that um and do you do a lot of analog synths or are you mainly VSTs? 
Yeah, kind of the um, the key main base synth I use in everything is a Moog Sub 37. Okay. And then I have um, a couple other Moogs, a Grandmother, DFAM, uh, Mother 32, yeah. Sequencer. That crap so those expensive. are like, if there's a, yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I do, yeah, I have a lot of VSTs also. But if it's a main, like, important synth sound, I just, I don't know, it feels more, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I just, I even though no one would notice it's an analog physical machine making a sound, yeah. I just like knowing that it's there. I just felt like I put more time into it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, Everyone can, you know, download Nexus and get a bajillion presets by buying mm. them, you know? And yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've never messed around with much uh, analog or any analog stuff at all, but I do like getting into a mm. synth and really tweaking. I like getting a bass preset, but then from there, really figuring it out or manipulating in some mm. way. Um, yeah. I just, I, whenever I, I'm like, okay, F it. I'm going to look into this and this analog or real synth stuff. And then I go and they're $4,000, you know, <laughs> like there's no freaking yeah. way, dude. You know how many, you know how many presets well, I could buy with four grand? Dude, I know <laughs> about only computer system, but, um, right. The hard part with a lot of them, especially older ones is they're a, a nightmare to keep in tune or to maintain mm. some of them. You can't save anything. So it's like, it's a good and a bad thing because it forces you every time to just reinvent the whole sound. Mm-hmm. You can't just press a button and recall and just kind of copy your old right. preset. So I do like that aspect of it, that every time you touch it, it technically could be like a new thing, but mm-hmm. you know, it's really time consuming. Definitely. I'm, I watched, um, I saw three teeth with Romstein and mm. that fool had one of them analog synths on stage moving around cables and stuff I'm like, what are you doing man yeah i mean yeah. you know a lot that's of- a yeah that, that's a whole specialty just you know modular synthesis oh yeah. my god <laughs> to yeah. be able to do it live like that on the fly and just every night set it up and have it work i mean geez right awesome. i couldn't i couldn't imagine and i mean a lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of people use them for what I was mainly looking at using something like that, like a modular setup was mainly for like pads and like kind of noise, like drones and stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> It seems like it's, that's yeah. the easiest thing to make with that, but like you could manipulate it so much. Yeah, I've like for the modular stuff, for sure, drones and then like repeating baseline patterns mm-hmm. and, or like things that you would put on top of a drum loop. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome for that, like noises and all that. So um, you mentioned like Nine Inch Nails and, uh, you know, stuff from back then that did like kind of rock electronic stuff. Do you think that the um, in industrial rock, electronic rock, metal world, do you think it was better back then or do you think it's better right now? To be honest, I'm not um, massively familiar even with what's going on now, um, just because I spend so much time making my own music yeah. my ears are just dead when i leave the studio so I, I mainly spend if i'm in the car i'm listening to podcasts or yeah. that kind of thing yeah but uh i don't know I, i'm obviously going to lean towards back when that first started because it was all so pioneering to do any of that yeah it was such a risk you know there was this association that keyboards were kind of this pussy instrument yeah. and that you can't you know you're not a real like heavy band if you have a keyboard or any of that stuff 
But, you know, I think synthesizers can make things way more punishing. Drum machines can hit harder than, you know, acoustic drums. Synth can have, you know, a deeper sub than a, a bass guitar. Yeah, look at author and punisher. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that Jesus. stuff is crazy <clears throat> heavy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> I mean, modern music, the, the production on some of these new things is completely mind-blowing. So I think production's much better, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that one, the main difference that I hear in like older electronic rock industrial and stuff compared to now is most things now that use a lot of electronics are like polished to a T where Mm -hmm. like older stuff was like super raw, like not polished. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's I, that's I what decide. I like. Yeah, <laughs> I can't decide that, which because is better. back then when they were when they were trying to sync things up, it wasn't perfect. They're they're using MIDI or literally triggering triggering samples from a drum pad, right. hoping that they hit it on time. <laughs> and that's freaking awesome because then there's it humanizes a non-human instrument. Definitely. And I think that's that's my biggest issue with electronic music in general is it can lack soul because. You know, you can technically code a song using like a, a laptop keyboard, not yeah. even a you know MIDI keyboard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you do that, it lacks all the the mistakes. And the only thing that makes it different is, you know, the, the person playing it. That's why, you yeah. know, like guitar, for example, it's, you know, it's made built on mistakes. The majority of notes you're hitting are somewhat of a mistake. So. Mm-hmm. Vocals, same thing. Hey, listener, popping in to let you know about our first official sponsor here on the show. Uh, we are talking about Bleh Coffee. This is a metal-based coffee company. Uh, they are hooking it up, getting me all the coffee in the world, which is exactly what I need. I said, don't even give me any money. Give me coffee. That's all I want. And so Bleh Coffee has partnered up with the Browning, DXD, and the Burn This World podcast. That is B-L-E-G-H coffee. Head over to burnthisworld.com slash coffee. Why support a coffee company that doesn't even like metal? You know what I mean? Like, why would you even do that? Head over to burnthisworld.com slash coffee. Pick you up some metal-inspired coffee. Black coffee. Let's get back in the podcast. Definitely. And, yeah, I just, I feel like modern stuff is so, so polished. Because um, even yeah. when you get to vocals, like, even that's going to be hyper, hyper polished. And um, so definitely it's like, how do you, how do you do it? How do you um, compete in the modern world of production with the quality and the polish that's necessary for people to even want to listen now, but create like a yeah. raw, natural sound <clears throat> that feels real? You know, that's the tough part. That's yeah. Now, um, you know, auto tune is so popular and mm-hmm. it's like basically a standard. You almost sound dated if you're not using it. Yeah. Like on your hooks. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, it's interesting. And I wonder, you know, I do, I like auto tune. I think it's, it's a cool effect, but I wonder like in 20 years when I, you know, if you listen back to these, are we going to regret using that on everything? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's just, weird definitely because i feel like whenever it first got implemented it was more of like a stylistic choice rather than like a necessity um yeah you know you got like t-pain out there you know with that auto tune (laughs) you know he really like coined that crap um and so i felt like it was a stylistic choice almost like creating like a vocoder effect with the voice but um now it's it's 
beyond even just auto-tune for anyone that's not a producer like now that's like everyone uses melodyne or stuff that you actually just go in mm-hmm. and move the notes where you want them to like it's not a it's sure not, it's not guessing <clears throat> so now it's like it's just manually making everything perfect and um i don't know i because I, I love stuff like um especially my new project ethics destiny it's mainly I'm taking so much influence from early 2000s techno stuff that I love from like DDR and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how I got into techno and electronic music was through DDR. Um, nice. and like, I want that auto tune sound, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I actually want it, you know, stuff like tattoo or yeah. Eiffel 65 and crap like that. Oh man, I love tattoo. I, dude, I can't get over tattoo. I really can't like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> And yeah, I sampled their drums on one of the albums. Wait, what from not good, not gonna get us? No, it was. Uh, I think it was the the second album. Uh-huh. There were some really good snares and hi hats. Yeah, they were like isolated that you can grab. But dude, <laughs> the um actually my biggest thing about tattoo they they were one of the first albums I ever bought when I was a kid. Um, Me too. And the whenever they played, I was I played started off on drums. That was the first instrument I ever played. And whenever they did the MTV Music Awards and they played Not Gonna Get Us and that song ends with the drummer doing it. Yeah. Like he was just jamming. Oh, that was insane. It was blowing my freaking (laughs) mind. And now I listen to that. I need to to watch that again. Dude, yeah. And whenever I listen to that song now, I'm just like, why can't my drums sound like this? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I just listen to that stuff and it's so good. And, um, that's actually the big reason I, I, my wife is, you know, fronting our project is because I want to sound like mm-hmm. that. Like I freaking love that. Crap. Yeah. 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 And Man, that, what a song. I know. Just all okay, of it. This. It's like the best so electronic good. stuff um, out there. Yeah. And there's something about Europeans that they do it better. Like they're Russian. That's true. But yeah. they, they just do yeah. the electronic stuff better. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just, I don't know. I feel <sighs> like, I feel like in America, um like electronic stuff was always like mainstream uh Mm -hmm. like it was pop music it was you know britney spears or whatever Mm, you know doing doing electronic stuff but in europe it was like underground like dirty grungy like underground raves i wonder what that was right where that came from that's what i'm wondering because america america kind of ran away with the rock instruments yeah or like you said, if it was electronic, it was like ultra mainstream pop. But yeah, yeah, I'd take me back to that time so I could freaking know what was going on. That stuff is like it really is just so good. <laughs> <laughs> I know it really is. Um, yeah. and so what? Uh, with your whenever you first started getting into it, were you trying to make stuff that was like more on the industrial side or? what were you mainly gearing your electronics like towards? It was um, definitely Nine Inch Nails played an influence to Pesh Mode, mm-hmm. uh, New Order. So in the early days, it was a little more 80s influenced yeah. and less like heavy. Um, but back then I didn't know what I was doing. So I was trying to make a guitar sound like a synthesizer because uh-huh. I didn't, I didn't have access to all, you know, plugins all this stuff was like in its infant stages yeah. didn't have money to go buy gear so the closest thing i can do is plug a guitar direct in like bypass the amps and then distort it you know in post-production to try to make it sound like a like a saw wave or something right. like that so the nature of that um 
made it sound a little heavier than like synth pop, but that was, you know, that was kind of the, I always like learning things the wrong way. Cause there's a lot of interesting things you can learn in that path to finding the right way. Uh-huh. Um, versus if you just read, this is how you do it. A to B you miss all these weird mistakes that can happen in the outskirts. So for sure, I think learning the way I did, I learned everything the wrong way and it took me a long time, but that's where I learned a lot of uh, interesting things. I think definitely. Yeah, that's for sure. The, doing it firsthand is the best way to do it. And anyone in the industry is going to take someone that's done it firsthand rather than someone with a degree. Um, right. And, exactly. Cause they're going to look at your portfolio and if you're textbook there, people are going to be uninterested. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've actually went to like my junior year of high school or something. I went to this Votech school for music production and, uh, like, uh, move and film production. And they, that was the first time I'd ever touched like an expensive computer because like, I didn't have no, <laughs> you know, I had a crappy computer. Yeah. I played runescape on at home. Um, that was about <laughs> it. And so I had like fruity loops at home, but then I, this school, they put me in front of logic. And um, while the class is sitting there learning how to, you know, uh, auto-tune the teacher's voice singing uh, Jingle Bells, I literally wrote, like, (laughs) some of the first Browning songs ever in that class, just grinding away by myself. And so it's like I was in that class writing Browning songs, and uh, (laughs) I actually had a terrible grade, a really bad grade in the class. Um, huh. because I just, I didn't want to do the stuff. He was like, okay, pull up the vocoder and do this thing. And I'm like, honestly, <laughs> I don't even know what a vocoder is. He's like, this is what we've been working on yeah. the past week. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> this is what I've done, you know? <laughs> and so love that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Doing, figuring out weird ways about, uh, creating whatever you're going to create is definitely the way to go. Um, you know, Pay attention, For you know, sure. look at some tutorials, find find a couple, you know, things to point you in the right direction, but then just figure it out and do something weird. Yep. I worked with this producer that went to like Juilliard and had all these, you know, master's degree in music's, you know, history or whatever, all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, when we were trying to do things, he, everything I wanted to do, he kept saying, you can't do that. And I would ask why. And he said, well, you just can't. Like his answer is always, you just can't Yeah. because you, you know, he was taught the path is, it's, you know, it's a one way path to doing things. Yeah. So that, um, that always stuck with me as a reminder of, um, <laughs> how strict that can be if you're working with someone like that. Definitely. Yeah. I, and that's not the path for me at least. Yeah. hundred percent. It's not, I mean, I was, I was, because I don't know freaking crap for music theory. Um, and yeah, I, I was struggling too. on this last song I was working on because my auto tuner was set to like, I don't know, E minor, which is what the, I thought the tuning was in. But I definitely was doing like some major melodies in the voice at times <laughs> and that it was just not dealing with it very well. And I was like, OK, well, I wish I knew that this was a E minor with an added seventh, <laughs> fifth, like bullcrap. Jeez, I know. So I could know what I was actually doing. <laughs> But yeah. um yeah, definitely just figuring it out's the way to go. Um what is yeah. the of your whole process, you know? Uh we've talked about how, you know, some of this can be a little stressful with how much how demanding it is and all that sort of stuff, but like what's like your big relief? Like what's your moment of like the best moment for you in this process in creation? Uh for sure, and this is a kind of a recent realization 
the most joy I get in life is that like, you know, one to two weeks when I'm working on something new, the, it's the excitement when you're going to bed, you can't stop thinking about it. You're trying to sleep, but you're thinking about melodies and lyrics and better ways to do things. Can't wait to wake up and start on the song again. It's that just looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. That's the the process that keeps me coming back to doing it. Once the song's finished, then it's like back into this, you know, slide down in this depression <laughs> until you start something new again. But it's for me, that's it. So I think that's why I've never been able to quit music is because I do it strictly for my own happiness, really, my own like well being. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing that gives me that feeling. So it's, you know, I get close to that feeling, you know, I'm super into sneakers, getting a new pair of sneakers, yeah, new car. Like there's other things that come close to that excitement, but nothing's like that process of, um, when you started something you're really excited about. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, I, I ask a decent amount of people that on this podcast and, uh, never is the answer. Oh, whenever the song comes out and I see the fan reactions or it's, it's yeah. never that like, it's always literally this, like pretty like almost towards the end of the process, but not all the way at the end. It's like, yes. And so exactly. <laughs> and cause that it, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Whenever I like, for me, it's mainly whenever I finish the instrumentals, um, cause I do all the instrumentals first and then go and do the vocals mm-hmm. after Whenever I finish the instrumentals and then I start kind of going over, like I'll put the, put it in my car and kind of start singing some melodies like freestyle and, mm-hmm. you know, bull crap. That's whenever it kind of hits me sometimes mm-hmm. like of the thing that I've yeah. created and like how yeah. awesome it is. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. It's like once, you know, I'll do the music just like you and then I'll lay down like a super rough scratch melody mm-hmm. that I'll like pitch in different ways to like just play with different melodies. And as soon as I like lock in on something, I'm like, that's when the real excitement starts and yeah. you start thinking about lyrics and how you're going to sing it and all that. That's the lyrics that's are the my best. nightmare. Lyrics are my nightmare. The worst <laughs> man. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm not a vocalist at all. Yeah. I'm not like a person that it's ever like written you know, you know, like real singers, they like keep a journal of right. all their lyrics and all the writing stuff all the time. Not me at yeah, all. Definitely. I'm doing it out of necessity. And <laughs> <laughs> exact same thing. Like I'm uh, lyric vocals was the last thing I learned how to do. And I think it was because yeah, I just needed, too. I needed vocals on my music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here. <laughs> and um, I'm actually really looking forward to this project with my wife. Cause I'm like, I will give you all the reins here. You do, <laughs> you do what you want to do. I'm sit back and play guitar and you know, yeah. I'm doing some singing on it too, but to not be the front is definitely like yeah. going to be nice. I just, I, I always like the end product of the vocals and I'm always way too particular about the lyrics. That's the hard part for me. Mm-hmm. Way too yeah. particular. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easy to get sucked down that path of like hyper analyzing your lyrics, but then you look at some of like the, you know, rap songs or Mm. super popular songs and how, how like dumb the lyrics are. Yeah. And it really sometimes makes me wonder. Yeah. It really makes me wonder how much do the lyrics matter or is it more about the overall feeling the song gives you? And that's, that's my ultimate goal is even if you don't understand the lyrics, you can listen to it and it makes you feel something. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I think that's what everyone wants when they listen to music is 
they either listen to it for like energy if you're working out, yeah. you know, happiness, excitement, sadness, if you want to pull that out. So just to feel something right. is the goal. I feel like the only time that lyrics absolutely matter are with like hardcore mm-hmm. bands, you know, like, mm, yeah. like actual hardcore bands. I think that that's yeah. when they're like, oh, we're doing, we're doing this for a purpose, you know? And like, yep. whereas like <laughs> a lot of other stuff, um, you know, you're just kind of creating a vibe. Um, yeah. It's like most of the crap I listen to is German or freaking rock. Like I'll <laughs> listen to Vitas or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And I don't know that anything that they're saying. <laughs> and it just, uh, yeah, man. I'm in the same boat. I wish I could just dial myself back mm-hmm. and just say, just say some cool lines. You know, I've been trying to use chat yeah. GTP recently to kind of get me, get yeah. me going. Yeah. I've done it too. Yeah. And I think it's a good tool. What do you, what do you think about AI with <clears throat> this music stuff? I mean, it's coming regardless. So I think you either, you're either going to be someone that embraces it and you'll evolve with it or push against it and be one of the dinosaurs that that never evolved. So I think in our lifetime, we've seen a lot of things come that have been controversial, especially in music, um, MP3s, CDs, tapes, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But also the way we record going from physical studios to our own laptop, basically. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of one of those, one of those other things we have to just take and accept. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for us in this like kind of futuristic genre, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for us to use it um, or at least to try it and experiment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's a million things that pop up that revolutionize. I mean, I, I wish we could revert back to before Spotify existed in the first place. Uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, <I> know. <laughs> and, but same thing with like backing tracks, like bands using backing tracks live and, uh, you know, a bunch of people raging about that, but like really yeah. in the end, like even all these old bands are mm-hmm. doing backing tracks. And if you're not doing it, yeah. then you see on the week, uh, you know, so <laughs> it's just, yeah. it is necessary. Mm-hmm. What I've been experimenting with the most with AI, um, well, the most is definitely with lyrical help. Like the AI never writes lyrics that are good, but it might say like a couple words that like trigger something in my brain, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I basically, I can't get the AI to, I've tried a million different props. I can't get it to do anything besides like a, a you know, a sixth grader poem, you know, that's, <laughs> that's basically where it's at. It does the most basic huh. rhyme scheme with the most basic like structure and everything. So I can't get it to do anything beyond that, but that's like, I'm not, have, have you, have, go ahead. have you tried like feeding it two of your own lines and then telling it, yeah, write 10 more to finish this. Yeah. Where, um, yeah, I've done that. Like I'll, I'll say, cause the biggest thing is like, okay, I'll have a really cool line, but I'll need like the line to follow it up. And I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, give me a line to follow this lyric, you know, make it dark and, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just really hard. Uh, cause sometimes you yeah. don't do a basic like rhyme scheme in a song. Most of the time you don't, exactly. uh, or it sounds corny yeah. and I can't get the bot to not do it. Um, and so, but it's a good, yeah. it's a good base. <clears throat> yeah. It, for me, like I, I think most singers, you gravitate towards certain words all the time. Yep. And I have to really make sure I'm not overusing certain words that are easy for me to sing. Yeah. So chat GPTs helps with that. Oh, there you with, go. You know, I'll, I'll just pump in my whole verse and I'll see, I'll just tell it to rewrite it and just see what other, if there's any other good words that come into yeah. it or something I can swap out. Yeah. 
Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the big thing I've been um, looking at lately and I've experimented with on a couple songs, there's this YouTube channel that everybody needs to watch. Uh, it's this guy called Nobody and the Computer. Um, hmm. he does these videos where he, he does a lot of stuff with AI. Um, but the big thing that he was doing was different m- music genres and trying to get the AI to go in the right direction and, you know, make music fully, of uh, vocals, instruments, everything. And, oh, wow. uh, he goes through his whole process. And if you get on his Patreon, he actually gives you the code that he uses to make the AI do certain things. Um, Jeez. but what I've been doing with it is you know i i haven't implemented any songs that i've released but i'm kind of fiddling with it is uh basically we there's a lot of people that use a lot of samples you know i'm not one for using a lot of drum samples but i'm coming more um open to it using uh, different samples mainly for like backing stuff if i need just a background hi-hat doing like a you know i might just go grab a sample for that now Whereas before I would have yeah. been completely against that. No, I need to write every single thing, you know. <laughs> and so I'm uh with melodies I haven't gotten into doing any generative stuff, but with drums, definitely. And so my thought was like, if I'm gonna take a sample that someone else wrote, you know, that I've bought and I own the rights to these sample packs and whatever, like why not try to have the AI mm-hmm. generate a sample for me to use, you know? And so no one has. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just made from scratch from the AI. Yeah, it's pulling from different sounds that it, you know, scrapes and whatnot. But nonetheless, it's still something that like no human exactly made. And so, um, yeah, this guy, nobody in the computer, everyone needs to go watch his videos. And uh, because basically I would I would have it generate, you know, 1990s uh, breakbeat at 150 BPM and it would pump mm-hmm. out this whole song then i'd use another ai tool that splits that song into stems and then i'll take the drums and import them. oh jeez yeah wow <laughs> it's sick it's Unbelievable. a cool tool and so like that sort of stuff can help uh because even then i'll take that mm-hmm. loop put it in splice it up cut it up you know glitch it out do some stuff with it yeah but then at least it's a sample that wasn't specifically made by somebody else and so i think it you know exactly feels a little better you know <laughs> Yeah. How, do you, how do you feel about sample yeah, usage? I love it. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, another similarity we have, I'm in a, a similar position. Um, probably the last two albums I've been using more samples than I ever have. Yeah. Um, I, I have huge libraries of drum machines that I've owned and sampled. And generally I, I write all my own patterns, drum patterns, yeah. um, especially for like acoustic live drums. But mm-hmm. yeah, for just, for getting an idea going, um, like splice has been awesome to yeah. just find something. And then I never end up really using something just as is yeah. it, it just helps get ideas generated. That's been the biggest help for me. Definitely. Is it you're, you're not starting a project and then investing an hour just to get a drum beat going. You exactly. can just find something <laughs> cool, drop it in, start writing melodies and then revisit the drums later or whatever. Yeah, definitely. That's what, that's what people that don't work in and a lot of electronics have a really bad misconception of this crap because like we are pretty particular about these sounds and wanting to make it our own. Like almost never do you just drop in a loop and just let it go, you know? Yeah. Never. It's always manipulated. <laughs> Extremely rare. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I think that people mm-hmm. have a big misconception of that. Um, and also like it's, it's just uh, like you said, 
especially with how much music we have to pump out at this point, getting that bass as quick as possible is really important. Um, because yeah. the, the drums don't necessarily make or break a song, but getting those drums there to where you can start getting your melodies and your structure down is like, mm-hmm. that's where you can determine, okay, this song is good. This song is not scrap it or not. And so, exactly. I mean, how many, how many, uh, how many layers does your project file get up to? Like how many tracks? So usually it's, it's around like a hundred. Yeah. And which is basically the ceiling for what my computer can handle <laughs> before it melts down. Right. <laughs> so I would, I would probably keep going if I had a stronger computer, but um, <clears throat> I'm trying to be much more, uh, or I'm trying to simplify things much more yeah. in the recent album and this, in this new one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, right now the last like five songs I've written are probably around 50 to 60 yep. different tracks. Yeah. I'm the same. And so that's uh, literally about 70 to a hundred mm-hmm. is on average what my songs get up to. And it's just so funny people hmm. talking about these samples, you know? Oh, and it's like, <laughs> I'm not putting a hundred layers of samples going on here. Like there's a lot of crap. Yeah. And that might yeah, be my sample layer is like mm-hmm. one, one to two tracks of samples. Exactly. 90. <laughs> exactly yep. and that my, for someone that doesn't work in electronics that might be kind of like crazy to hear but it gets there very quickly like it really does yeah <laughs> and yeah uh, and a lot um, of things i won't automate mm-hmm. um i'll just you know drop them down to their own tracks so i have independent volume over them so exactly. it's technically not like a hundred different guitars playing or whatever it's just mm-hmm. this structuring it in a way i can get my wrap my head around right i do the same thing i don't want to like automate on my main channel you know Mm -hmm. i want to automate on a different one so i don't screw anything up exactly (laughs) yeah exactly uh the i don't know the automation that's something that and and i'm also the same with you in the sense of trying to simplify i actually i was doing this thing where i was making a ton of trap beats like just a ton of them and what i did is i made a project file and with I had a pad layer, I had a lead layer, and then my drum layer, and then like effects like swells and swooshes and stuff. And I was not allowing myself to go beyond like these five tracks because for like dropping oh, wow. stuff, That's it should cool. be as basic as possible. And yeah. um, actually took that into a couple songs that I did with my new project. Um, and yeah, definitely like you listen to some of these big songs like they really can be so simple and especially if it's yeah vocal driven music maybe we need to chill out on the music side you know yeah absolutely hey listener i'm here talking to you again about coffee you need coffee everyone needs coffee i know i freaking do and black coffee has been hooking me up like crazy so i need you to go hook them up like crazy and hook yourself up head over to burnthisworld.com slash coffee and pick up some bleh coffee because why would you buy coffee from a company that doesn't even like metal? These people are just like us. Let's go support them. Burnthisworld.com slash coffee. Buy some bleh. Yeah, I was, um, <clears throat> my wife always tells me that, you know, it's too much stuff going on. Simplify, you know, you should be able to, you know, imagine a kid wants to play the guitar part. He should be able to identify yeah. the rhythm and the lead part or the lead synth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did a song where I, I was so over having infinite options that I was like, okay, for this song, I'm, I'm only going to use this Moog synthesizer. I'm yeah. going to do make my own kick drum out of this snare hats melody. Yeah. So the entire thing was just 
one synth is like five tracks and there you go yeah then i did another song recently with a music video called um yeah, it was called that <laughs> uh missile yeah jesus and it was just one guitar and a keyboard so there's no drum or anything and right. that did pretty well so nice you never know it's gonna work right and it just um we're we're musicians before we're vocalists and so like whenever i'm writing us an instrumental uh i want to write it so the instrumental is enjoyable to listen to um sure yeah. but like that can get in the way of the vocals I actually mm. with my with uh dxd my new project i've actually after like i stop myself whenever the instrumental's like there and i want to start dialing in stuff i'm like okay let's give vocals in first and then i end up removing <laughs> like everything out of the verse besides like the pad so the vocals can sit on top like it um yeah it, it's hard to find that balance whenever we're just sitting there mm. one to write instrumental music i wish i could just write instrumental music that everyone loved but you know <laughs> i know me too <laughs> I, yeah rick rick rubin said that's his his role he's not a producer but he's a reducer uh-huh. <laughs> so he tries to you know get the band to strip back absolutely everything they can that's non-essential yeah and that the song can still work with just the bare absolute basics yeah i think that that's that needs to be my major focus not with the brown the browning is going like way more chaotic and stupid but um (laughs) this other project i think depending on the realm you're in you know like yeah if, if a band like igor stripped everything out and wasn't going absolutely ham their fans would probably be a little upset but <laughs> um, you know, you get something like a day to remember, like, why do they need a bunch yeah. of stuff going on? They don't, you know? Right. And so yeah. it could be definitely a good thing to focus on. I'm trying to focus a little more on that sort of stuff nowadays that I'm, I'm getting older and this needs to be a career as well as you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hard to figure that out. Um, and find it the is. time to, to make everything happen yeah. in life. Um, and, uh, so like with, you know, you're, you're looking to potentially like cut back on putting out as much music, uh, but would you still be writing full time? Are you looking to f- like kind of fully kind of just step back, give it a break, like breathe for a minute? I, I mean, I, I took off about four months, but I didn't touch anything musical Yeah, for that time. And it was pretty nice. And then, um, yeah, as soon as you start the, the first song after a break, that kind of just leads oh, yeah. into the next. So, Right now I'm sitting on about six songs Yeah, and fix is wanting to release them like now. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm telling them we have to wait till next year. So yeah. I'll have a stockpile ready to oh, roll. Oh, there you go. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I'm worried but about. That would be a first though. Yeah. I mean, I've always finished a song and, you know, shipped it to fix, got it out immediately. So this will be the first time where I'm actually sitting on songs. Yeah. The honeymoon period wears off. So I'll be able to relook at those with mm-hmm. like a fresh set of ears and see if there's anything else I can modify or reduce there you go. Or, or something like that. So pretty excited with that. Yeah. Who do you think is the best fixed artist? Um, I mean, it's gotta be Clayton. Yeah. Um, just from the, the history he's really kind of put into this and, you know, he's, he's paved the way for a lot of the style of music, especially the, the more metal core synth based stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, you know, he's been doing it for so long and still has these massive numbers. So it's, uh, it's really awesome to see that. Definitely. Yeah. He, he's on another level with a lot of that electronic production. That's for sure. Yeah. Incredible producer. 
And um, yeah, man. I mean, I just I I really like your music because it's it's a little easier to listen to than some of the other stuff in this realm. You know, hmm. uh, some of it can be like I mean, I'm I can under whenever some people say they're really not into the Browning, I can actually like really understand why. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a lot at times. Um, but that's like intentional. But yours, I think, yeah. I feel like I think it really is the voice that allows it to be a lot more listenable and hmm. um i don't know because not, again not in a bad way but that droney really just kind of like it's almost like deftones how he does that soft kind of you know hmm. these vocals that are just easy to um conceptualize i've just yeah it, it makes it really easy to listen to what what is like your proudest song in your in your repertoire that you have um i think the most like my ideal song, if I wasn't trying to impress a label, yeah. wasn't trying to get numbers or anything like that. There's a song I did called Die With You, uh-huh. which is, it was actually inspired by Daft Punk a lot. Okay. Like the drums and uh, like the synth style. Yeah. But there's like a baritone guitar over it. Um, but that's kind of it. So it's it's like electronic beat driven, mm-hmm. synth bass driven with like an overtone of like a sludgy loosely strung baritone that's kind of like my ideal world yeah but with fixed that's not that's not in their wheelhouse on Uh how to market that so with fixed they want things that are heavier Uh which um heavier isn't really my natural spot to be in Uh so it's more of a challenge to write you know just more rock driven stuff and Mm -hmm. pull back some of the electronics it it always every time i ask someone and they're always the songs that they're always most happy with in their stuff is like the offbeat songs compared to their normal mm. stuff. Um, it's always the stuff that is like, you know, not a B side track, but definitely not a single, you know? And yeah, I feel like it's very yeah, it's, rare for someone to be like, Oh yeah, that radio hit that we did. That one's my favorite. <laughs> it's like, no, it's never that. Yeah. Especially some of the bigger artists that have these like massive hits. They usually, it's usually the radio hit that uh-huh. they hate or that they hated. And they, you know, to have to play that for decades on tour. <laughs> I mean, so well, yeah, I'm, I'm the worst, worst judge of my own stuff. I never know what's going to, the songs I think I'm going to work where I'm like, yeah, let's, let's invest in a video and all this stuff falls flat. And it, <laughs> it's a song with no video the, right. that I almost cut. That's the one that works out. Right. So. Yeah, and the thing about so those hard. big bands is they probably didn't even write those radio hits, so that's probably why I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, that's a good point. <laughs> I was on, um, for whatever reason, because I don't listen to actual radio, so my van, anytime I turn it on, is just on this country station. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll just be doing a quick drive so I won't change it off. And they were interviewing this country artist, and I don't know who it was, but it had to have been someone that had been around for a while. And uh, they're asking him, like, oh, so, like, what's your favorite song that you wrote off this record? And he was just kind of like, well, I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't technically write any of the songs on the record, but, um, you know, they it was kind of almost like it was written for me or by mm-hmm. me because it was written for my voice. You know, it's like, oh, geez, you know, he'd like dark and even like the melodies, he basically the singing melodies. He was saying how someone else rent that wrote the singing melodies but it was almost like dude. he wrote them because it was mm-hmm. written with him in mind. <laughs> like, no, dude. dude. Can you imagine how easy life would be? No, if that's, I can't. If that's, we just 
I really can't. Basically just, you know, go through a shopping list of songs and choose the one you want. Right. And then just get all the credit crazy. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It Jeez. is crazy. Uh, and so, <laughs> but you'd be surprised, man. I learned, you know, I've talked to quite a few um, bands and uh, even on here and the, where they'll fully admit, you know, they have someone else write all their music. And I'm just like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> you guys got super popular whenever you were young writing your own music. Like, why do you now need someone else to write it? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, it blows. Wow. It's confusing to me. Like, I I feel like, especially in metal, you should, you, the band should be writing their own music. For sure. And, and these are metal bands that have said now they have ghostwriters or they're yeah. buying songs. Yeah. Jeez. And a lot of it comes from the label, uh, I think. Uh, a lot of times these labels are bringing in these extra producers and trying to like make it happen. And I think the bands, they they get this one glimpse of commercial success and they're like, yeah, you know, let's do it. You know, it's just, but I don't know why they couldn't just write commercially successful songs. They're clearly good enough musicians. That's what I don't understand a lot about a lot of this stuff is like, these people are good musicians. Why do they need someone else to write it? And I don't know, maybe it's so they yeah. don't have to focus on it. I don't, I don't really don't get it. Well, I mean, if you're constantly on tour, that yeah. environment, like on a bus, isn't the greatest for like producing and writing. Right. The exhaustion and all that, maybe that's part of it, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's always a, it's a weird thing to me whenever I see that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe people like us are lucky in the sense that we um can write everything where maybe as a whole band maybe there's a band that doesn't have like one person that's capable of doing that you know maybe mm, they yeah, maybe they have to true. hire someone to kind of write a cohesive package maybe that's what it's from huh. um, yeah but because i feel like a lot of the bands a, a lot of bigger bands have like the one dude you know like as laid on yeah. with tim lambesis you know he yeah, was, he was exactly. like steering that ship and so um Maybe some of these bands don't got that, or maybe they just don't care anymore. Hmm. <laughs> That's probably yeah. a big part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be open to trying that. I've actually thought about it several times, yeah. uh, especially with recent conversations with the label yeah. wanting to do heavier stuff. You know, yeah. it's been so frustrating at points where I'm like, okay, if you want that, you know, have someone write it and I'll, and I'll sing. It. Yeah. And let's just see what happens. It, it, it hasn't gotten to that point, yeah. but actually it's, it's been, it's it. been one of the main concepts that I've been talking with fixed about as well. Cause fix just has so many good electronic artists. And, um, I, I would like to put the electronics to the next level. And if I had someone else that was helping with that, that's like the main thing I'm talking mm -hmm. about fix too. So I'm kind of, I'm opening up mm -hmm. to like getting input, but yeah, from this, from this scratch to finish project, I can't imagine just letting someone else do it, you know? <laughs> yeah um Man. but yeah i mean i anyone that hasn't listened to music definitely needs to go listen to it it's definitely like uh there's so many layers and good stuff that you can really pay attention to but also r really good to just like kind of have on there's some music that like if it takes way too much attention sometimes <laughs> and your music is yeah. is really um it's like subtle when it needs to be and then also, you know, really, really next level when it needs to be too. So I freaking, I really like this stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Someone uh, described it interestingly recently. They said that it, it felt like you're standing on the edge of a building ready to jump, right. but you're like smiling about it. So you're not like upset. 
Yeah. But you're just on the verge of, yeah, I could just jump off this and end everything, but I'm happy either way. (laughs) I think that's an interesting way to describe it. I kind of like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, suspense. That's what music's all about. I've been pushing that a lot. It's all about suspense. Yeah. And um, yeah, just the good vibe, everything about it. And so, yeah. And I, I, I can appreciate how different it is. No one else is doing like this style of electronic rock with, that sort of like grunge voice that's like the first thing i picked up on really listening to your stuff quite hmm. a bit is and then and then in the in the icebreaker i asked you you know and i purposely asked you that question because i was actually curious if you were going to say kurt cobain <laughs> that's exactly what you said yeah. <laughs> so it's such a cliche answer but um the thing i like is just how imperfect he was that's oh, yeah. that's my favorite thing it's not all the songs and everything it's the imp- imperfect part of it was so amazing yeah just raw and you don't really see imperfect stuff anymore so yeah and from my understanding he like didn't want to be you know perfect in any way like uh, right and so yeah. that's awesome that he was embracing mm-hmm. that and embracing being real and everything and especially in the in the world we're going into that's probably more important than ever to to try to think for about. sure yeah yeah it is yeah. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I appreciate you being on here chatting with me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love everything that you're doing, so you got to keep it up. Thanks man. You too. And yeah, good to be uh, label mates now. I know. So, congratulations need- on that. Looking yeah. forward to your new project too. Heck yeah. Well, I appreciate you, man. I will talk to you here soon. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. See you. Bye. I appreciate you listening through the Burn This World podcast with the Annex. Head over to burnthisworld.com and click on Join the Community. Come hang out with us, get a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff, and hear the after show where I give my thoughts of the podcast and then also the icebreakers, us talking before the podcast. We'll see you in there. Peace out.